it's old for me. It's it's great, dude, and it's a it's a crowd favorite. So, yeah, that song did worlds for me, man. Uh, and then it was so funny. He texted me. Uh, he texted me the the following day after I told him that story. He's like, "Holy crap, dude! I just found this, and it was a work tape of when they were first coming up with it." So, it's just so interesting to see. Like, and I know it as a writer myself. And you're just kind of babbling melodies and stringing words that don't make sense together, and just trying to find the song. And then eventually they found it. And uh, the intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. We're back after a week off. Don't worry, we're not going away. we got a great episode for you this week as we talk to country singer-songwriter Frank Ray. And welcome back, Allison Settle, for our tasting notes. But before we get into all that, don't forget to check out our neat and mixed reviews on all of our social media at Hop Spirits, all one word. You can find all those reviews also at hopspirits.com where you can get cool things too, like our happy hour Q&A and so much more. So don't miss those. But like I said, we have a fun conversation this week with country singer Frank Ray. But up next, it's Tasting Notes with Allison Settle as we talk farmer's market and booze and how those two can go together since spring is hopefully finally arriving. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Back again with us here on Tasting Notes is Allison Settle. She's a 2022 James Beard Best Chef semifinalist, a Sullivan University brand influencer, and you can find her pop-up events around Greater Louisville. Allison, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Well, I appreciate it as always. And last time we were talking about the strange world of my, my brain and how it comes together, soups and drink pairings. Yeah. I, I, I think today will be a little more straightforward, and as uh, you know, hopefully the weather is, is nice wherever you are, and spring weather is upon us, and that means getting out to the farmers market a little bit more, and how you can use that for for booze and also just for a fun meal that that you can make. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got some things for you. You know, this time of year, like even though the weather's beautiful and there's flowers and there's green on the trees and everything, you're not getting a whole heck of a lot from farmers quite yet. That's going to come in the fall. But what you, what I know you can get, herbs. They're going to have herbs. Uh, you're probably going to see some peas, uh, those early green things. And those are all wonderful ingredients to make uh, syrups for your cocktails, um, to muddle um, you know, a mint julep, of course, is Derby's just around the corner. So something to think about. Um, but I really, really enjoy, uh, maple syrup as well. And that's something that is pretty typical to be, um, harvested and then, and produced around this time of year. Um, so be thinking about, um, alcohol and cocktails that, you would use a simple syrup for and use different um, sugar substitutes in place of that. So think of like an old fashioned and instead of, uh, you know, a simple or just like a regular sugar, you're going to use maple syrup. And that's going to uh, really bring out some of those um, complex flavors in bourbon. Um, another thing to think about is pea cocktail. <laughs> it sounds, that sounds interesting. <laughs> it sounds a little weird, but but bear with me. Okay, so what 
I think you would like to do that. Mint and peas always go together really well. So those are two things that you're going to be able to get at the farmer's market these days. Um, make a simple syrup. It's 50% water, 50% sugar. Um, chop up some peas. Uh, get some arugula just for some extra pepperiness and for that green color. And you're going to make mint tea. Add your sugar. Add your water. Brew this mint tea with your fresh mint and then throw that into a blender with your chopped up peas and your arugula and you'll get this really rich, peppery, herbal, minty, um, sweet from the pea puree with a beautiful green color, which is just a celebration of this time of year. And then pair it with gin. All the botanicals in gin are going to create this really complex cocktail that's going to be really pleasing to to the palate and something that um is is pretty unusual and also really pretty i think it would be perfect for um saint patrick's day but we'll have to wait for next year well i i love that because you've you've also worked in a, in a lot of kitchens where you kind of nothing goes to waste so whether you're using it in in the meal and then kind of using leftover parts in in a in a cocktail when, when people are doing something like say that at home, maybe they've gone to the farmer's market and got stuff, how do they kind of work that into their, their thought process so they can do that at, at home and not let things go to waste? Oh, well, a, a lot of people are going to throw away, like say you did get English peas from the farmer's market. A lot of people are going to shell those peas and throw the shells away. Don't do that. Use those shells to make a vegetable stock. And then when you make your soup or uh, your soup or you're going to make a risotto, maybe a vegetarian risotto, you can use that stock that you've made that's infused with green pea flavors. And then you're you're using everything. You know, if you're buying English peas by the pound, you're paying for those shells. So you should use them. And then I guess my last thing I always like to ask this is maybe a fun meal to create around this time of year with whether you're able to get some stuff at the farmer's market or, or maybe have to go a little, little farther away to the store. <laughs> I, I, I really, really am. I, I know I keep going back to peas, but I just really, really love this time of year um, when you're going to get those really fresh, plump ingredients and like I said, a risotto is a really perfect celebration of that. So um, get your chicken broth, put your English pea shells in there and infuse that flavor and really bring out the, the pea flavor out of those shells and utilize them. And then you're going to have your arborio rice and then you're going to saute that with shallots and garlic. And if you can get your hands on some ramps, or leeks or spring onions or scallions um, at the farmer's market, put those in there as well. And then you're gonna create your risotto with your stock as normal, add some butter because butter is just a dream with peas, Parmesan cheese, and then add these plump, beautiful peas. You don't even have to blanch them, like the heat of the risotto is gonna cook them a little bit. And then you have this incredible vegetarian, pretty healthy honestly beautiful celebration of spring i i love that just just in time to to hit the farmer's market and, and make me hungry once again <laughs> allison i appreciate it as always oh you're so welcome check out hops and spirits on social media at hop spirits all one word on instagram tiktok facebook and twitter 
You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, he's a country artist, songwriter. His latest EP, Get You Some, is available now. Please welcome in Frank Ray. What's up, man? How you guys doing? What's everyone doing out there? Good. I'm good. I always want to say Frankie Ray for for some reason. Uh, Do you get that a lot? I do get that a ton. My manager hates it. Uh, But but I grew up. I grew up with my cousins and and peers, and everyone called me Frankie. So it kind of just it's nothing that bothers me. But yeah, it 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 grinds my the the gears of my uh, of my manager Oscar. He's like, (laughs) it doesn't make me sound like a real man anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I get it. I, some people be like, do you answer to John? Yes, I, I do. I prefer Jonathan, but, you know, there's worse names that can be called than John. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. But, no, guys, but like, of course, if you saw me in person, people saw me in person and saw, uh, you know, that I'm like 5'7". They might not even call me a real man anyway. <laughs> Aww, I just I can't believe that. Now, now I got to ask, you know, since this is bar conversations, I'm drinking a little bourbon. Got my my little bottle here of Jephtha Creed, a little red, white, and blue bourbon. Nice. Uh, that's three different types of corn in it. Uh, what do you what, what are you drinking tonight? What, or what's your go to? My go to is tequila, man. It's always tequila. I I prefer Cantera Negra, which is a tequila company we started working with. They're a little lesser known they're not super mainstream but uh really great tequila uh and uh they have a couple of different kinds like añejo extra añejo is probably my favorite uh but i believe it or not ran out and i'm waiting on another ship from them uh, <laughs> and so they'd probably kill me for saying this but right now i'm drinking a little patron this is a reposado uh and it's just it's good man uh the repo uh, patron is it's a lot smoother than most reposados, you know what I mean? Like if you went with like a Casamigos, that's actually a sweeter reposado. Or some reposados out there are just really bitter. Uh, the, I think the Patron one is actually really, really smooth, and I enjoy it. And I usually sip it over ice, kind of mellows it out a little bit, and uh, yeah, it's delicious. Well, I was gonna say I was never like my wife's the tequila drinker in the family. She's she's always you know enjoyed a tequila. I've never been that until recently, yeah. and I d- realized that Resposados and Añejos. When I can say Añejo, uh, yeah. there's a couple of videos of me not being able to say that when I was doing a review. That that was fun. Uh, <laughs> I blamed I blamed it on my accent. Uh, but man, I had a uh, Thomas Red said Dos Primos uh, Añejo, yeah. aged a, month, a year in uh, bourbon barrels. That's one of the smoothest things I had ever drank. And I'm like, maybe there is something to this this Resposado and the, these you Añejos. Know, the thing is too is that most most smooth tequilas like that, most tequilas worth drinking are aged in in oak barrels. Uh, and that's sort of that's sort of the thing, right? That most people don't understand about tequila. They think tequila, and they, if tequila is making you wince after you take it, you go, "That's not good tequila." It's it's really not. You be able to drink it smooth, like as you would a bourbon, and enjoy it nice and mellow, and get all the flavors. And it's just that's the thing. So it's it does huge misconception. When people think tequila, you're drinking that well shit from the bar, and it's not good for you, man. Stop doing that. You're killing yourself. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I dabbled in a few because I'd been sent a few doing the, this show and some of the other things that I, I've done, and I'm like, huh, those have been sitting there for a while. What have I been missing? And, and like you said, it's a totally different drink. Mm. Now I've seen you perform. I, I saw you with LV here in Lexington, yep. uh, Kentucky, at, at um, 
And I've, I saw you there. I've seen the pictures. You always seem to have a red cup with you on stage. Yeah. Is tequila in that, or, or are you doing something a little different? Man, it really just depends. Um, at that particular moment with LV, it was probably bullet rye whiskey because that was what's, what was on his rider. And so we'd go into his green room and just check it. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, that's what I, I really enjoyed that. Um, there was times where we just – they, at some point, they're just like, "What are you doing in our green room?" And I was like, "Have you seen our green room? It's a closet because we're the opener, yeah." You know? <laughs> and we don't have any booze in there. All we had was Miller Light, and uh, um, so when it comes to beer, that's sort of the beer of my choice. But um, um, but yeah, man, uh, we we so probably Bullet Rye whiskey, and ever since then, uh, it's become a part of our rider as well. So because we get tequila again, Cantera Negra hooks us up. Uh, but if we do want to mix it up and want to have something different, uh, we'll have some some bullet, you know, rye back there or whatever, whatever kind of bullet they got. But uh, yeah, it's it's that's probably what it was because it was LV stuff. I, I, I like that. Well, I mean, the Kentucky boy should know what he's getting and putting in in, in a rider for something like that. I would hope. Exactly. Has he been on the show? Uh, he has not. But here here's a small world thing. So LV knows my brother-in-law really well. Mm. Um, he goes down to, to Texas and visits him and we'll go out on, on some of the hunts with him nah. down, down on the ranch, uh, that, that, that he kind of coordinates and stuff like that. That's cool, man. Yeah. LV's, LV's awesome, man. I, I miss him. It's been a while since, since we've actually got to hang out because I've been so busy and he's working on some new stuff and, you know, it's just, it's just been crazy, man. But, uh, he's, he's a real one, that guy, man. He's a real one. Uh, now, uh, you, you're busy. Uh, I know you got a, what, a two-month-old and a six-year-old. I mean, what, are they keeping you busy somehow, somewhere? Absolutely, man. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know what it is about a newborn baby that, uh, that'll do it. But as soon as if I figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's, it's been wild, man. My wife and I, we were surprised by that one. Uh, and I got three girls at this point. My oldest, however, is 19. She's in college. I got started pretty young, so... Um, I, mean, I, I like to tell people as soon as I figured out what to do with it, I was like, Woo, let's do this. <laughs> and put, <laughs> just like that, a baby. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, it was great. That was a blessing because it taught me how to grow up quick and take care you know, of, of her and get some responsibility. And then, you know, I had to, I had to become a man real quick. Um, but then of course I met the love of my life, my, my wife, Emily, and, uh, we had, uh, our daughter, this is my cat Fred, just jumped up here. Sorry if he makes it appear <laughs> funny. What's up, buddy? Um, but Mackenzie is our six-year-old. And when she hit six years old, we're like, okay, we're we're good. Like, clearly another baby is not going to happen. The, get, the age gap is way too big. Um, we should be all right. Um, and then lo and behold, man, my wife I, I was waiting for me on the back porch when I got home from a grocery run one day. And, surprise and i said oh god we gotta start all over again uh but now i mean the minute she's here you know how it is man your whole world just changes and and i looked at this girl and i had no idea that i i felt like i was missing something but the minute i held her i was like yeah this is what i was missing now i feel complete now i feel great and and mackenzie god bless thinking that age gap was way too much it's perfect she's self-sufficient she will get up, she'll make her own breakfast if she needs to do that, you know, and she'll turn on the TV and do her whole thing. And she helps out a ton, man. Like, she's like, hey, can I can I feed her? Can I hold her? Can I change her diaper? I'm like, absolutely. Do all of that, <laughs> please. So it's it's great, man. I, I, I'm tired. My wife's tired. But honestly, we, we, got, we got pretty lucky. 
I was gonna say I've joked with a few other other guys, and I'm like, but you y'all's lifestyle kind of works for these crazy hours when the baby wants to get up at two a.m. You're used to being up sometimes at two a.m. Yeah. traveling and doing shows. Yeah, dude, it's you're right. You are right. I mean, it's it is easier to get up and do these things now. There is a there is a difference. Sorry, hold on. I guess. Uh... Oh, come on! It's my bass player staying with me tonight. Like he say hi to my mm-hmm. hey Mario. Hey, what's going on? Uh, we're doing. <laughs> My basically, this is my band has sort of become the. I mean, my band, my my house has sort of become the band house, as the band is uh, traveling through. Uh, uh, a number of them um, live here in Nashville, but uh, we all are based out of the Southwest originally. So I'm from New Mexico, and the the guys I met in El Paso, Texas, and so uh, Mario and uh, our piano player Israel, they still live in El Paso, and so when they're driving through, we got a gig in Alabama Thursday. And uh, and they'll they'll rack out here at the house, man. We got a guest bedroom upstairs, and it's the whole thing. So anyway, sorry about that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, man. I, I was what I was saying is like it, it does work. Like I, I'm used to getting up and this and that. But my wife, I mean, she's a saint, and she spoils me anyway. Like I'll be right next to her, and she'll be up with the baby all night. And you know, I, I get up and be like, hey, what do you need? What do you need? She's like, no, sleep. You're good. Um, but I know what she's really thinking. She's thinking you're an asshole, Frank, and I never want to talk. <laughs> I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> now, now you, you mentioned growing up in, in, in New Mexico. I know you grew, grew up in Texas too. What what impact did that have on, on your music that you you grew up around or you know listened to w- when you were younger? Oh man, it's it's the reason why I'm the person I am today. And uh, people talk about the Latin influence in in country music or at least in my music uh, and, and it stems directly from where I grew up. Right. So it's a product of my raising. Um, my parents, uh, you know, they split when I was young, man, probably four years old or something like that. So I've always hopped between Texas and New Mexico. And my mom moved to San Antonio, Texas, actually Laredo, Texas. And we lived there for a little bit, but uh, eventually hung our hat in San Antonio. But every summer I would go down to New Mexico and, and hang with my dad. And so I kind of got the best of both worlds. And I got this weird accent. It's kind of Mexican. It's kind of twangy. There's a little bit of everything. It's so weird. Uh, people don't know what to make of it. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's country music is where I, f- I, I fell in love with country music in San Antonio. Right. Listening to the country radio stations down there, Y100. And it was uh, or KG97 is another one. Um, but it was always tuned to either one of those two. Uh, radio dials and then when i'd go to new mexico i mean we were literally the, the town that my dad still lives in my family lives in is called columbus new mexico and it's three miles north of the mexican border much like el paso would be to juarez um but there's a small town just to the south of that in mexico paloma uh, chihuahua and um I guess I reference it because it's not only was it a big part of my culture and I had family that lived over there, so we'd go and visit, uh, but also it's probably the reason why I fell in love with tequila early on in my life. And so it was just this, uh, it had this huge impact on who I was. I listened to mariachi music, to rancheras. Um, um, that's just a, that's just a way of life over there. It's, it's, it's a normal thing, right? It's not something you just turn up for. Like I want to listen to Mexican music today, or I want to, go eat Mexican food today. I and mean, it was just part of your life every single day. Rice and beans, as stereotypical as it might sound. I mean, rice and beans and tortillas and chile con carne and huevos rancheros and all that stuff. And it's just a part of my life. And 
and I'm grateful for it now because uh, doing that stuff here in country music today, um, there's an authenticity to it. You know what I mean? So that's what uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for, for having grown up over there. And I was going to say, obviously you're around music from, from a, an early age. When did you get into wanting to play, play music or when did that kind of become part of your life? Oh man, I've, I've been singing and trying to write most of my life, uh, singing for as long as I can remember. Um, I can't even remember. Uh, yeah. Like when it, it clicked that I could carry a tune, but uh, the the most recent memory I have is probably in the third grade, right? Um, I was in San Antonio. No, I was in Laredo. I was in the third grade, uh, and I was a part of the. I went to go join this. Uh, you know, they they make you do choir and stuff like that, right? And I went to that class. They just make you do music as a part of your curriculum, and um, and I remember I sang this one little bit of a song and I got everyone's attention and there was this one girl that I had a huge crush on at that point in third grade I mean look at me Frank it's no wonder I had kids earlier uh, <laughs> but yeah I remember her name was Bianca I don't remember her last name but I remember her name was Bianca and and I had a crush on her and the way she looked at me when I started singing was like the game over this is what I need to do right this is like I got the I got my crush and this and that and so I just started singing that and uh, and then I've always been sort of musically inclined but I, I think that's that was always a big motivating factor, uh, which is crazy now that my it had my singing had nothing to do with me getting my wife, which is weird. <laughs> that's totally weird. Well, that's usually but, how it works, right? Right? They they're like, they, ah, forget oh, that guy. <laughs> fell in love with her because she wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> hard to get, hard to hard to get. See, I still can't carry a tune, so I don't, I don't know what that that's like. I. We're, we're hopeful for my daughter. We've put her in music classes, dance classes, things like that, and, and hoping she she does a little better than, than my wife and I. It's just one of those things. Like I, like my my daughter Mackenzie, Chloe can sing a little bit, but she never really had a passion for it. Mackenzie is got she's musically inclined. She's in piano right now. She can carry a good rhythm and melody and all that stuff. But again, man, you just really never know. Uh, she's still a little bashful, and I think there there's a difference there. I was never bashful. If somebody had told me to sing, I'd just, let's go, baby. There's a huge difference in that. So the fact that she shows some hesitation with that, I don't know that she'll ever want to do it professionally. And and quite frankly, now that I'm in the industry, I don't know that I want her to do it professionally. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not the easiest career for, for, for sure. And and for, for you, your career path kind of took a different road. You know, you might have wanted to go music route, but you ended up going – into you know being a police officer for a decade yeah man i kind of fell into that um i was working a lot of odd jobs I, I tried going to college for a little bit it took me all of one semester to realize i didn't want to do that um and uh let's see I, I i slung cell phones for a little bit at cricket wireless i uh i worked it as a bus boy at chili's and a um the retail guy or in the mall at Anchor Blue, American Eagle is another one. Uh, man, I just, I, I did everything. I, you know, built corrals with my dad during the summer. And it just got to the point where I, I found myself working at the uh, Luna County Detention Center in, in Demi, New Mexico. And uh, I did that for about 10 months and uh, realized really quickly that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And so uh, I had made enough friends 
on the other side that were bringing inmates in and they kept kind of encouraging me to go and give it a shot and man I, I just happened to find myself in Las Cruces one day and uh, came across a police officer and asked him about it and he just happened to be hosting a job fair and um, gave me an application and I I applied and uh, shit I blinked and 10 years went by I was a, I was a police officer for 10 years and it's nuts well, and, and I, I guess it was during that time, though, you found music being an outlet for what is definitely a stressful job. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, which is, it's interesting, though, how how much how much I put it on the back burner. Um, I mean, I, I sang the national anthem for my police academy graduation. Um, I did that. And I, I did a couple of I did that a couple more times for like little uh, police events that we were having. But for the most part, the first like five years of my career were focused solely on law enforcement, right? It was just, I was learning the ropes and it, it's, it consumes your entire life that I was just trying to figure out how to be a good cop. And it wasn't until I figured, like, it wasn't until I finally felt like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta handle on this, um, that I really started exploring healthy outlets again. And then I just naturally found my way back to music. Uh, but up until that point, I'd had failed bands. Like I had a failed punk rock band. It was terrible. And I, um, you know, that, that was, what was the name of the, the name band? was the name of the band was cadence. It was bad. It was so bad. We were so bad, <laughs> but I mean, whatever, man, at the time it was just like, it was fun, right? It was fun. But again, I just had to take my police, uh, my career seriously. And anyway, it gets to the point where. Again, I, I'm I'm ready to get back into music, and and I, I knew that I always wanted to play country music, and so I just started to kind of piddle around the guitar again. I taught myself a few chords. Uh, first song I learned how to play was uh, "Blame It All on My Roots." I showed up in boots to friends in little places because I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, I better learn that song because most people are going to want to sing that song. But anyway, started. Yep piddling around and once I figured out how to get around the chords enough um, started writing some pretty mediocre songs some of them were pretty shitty actually uh, but at that time I thought they were good enough for for me to strike up a country band so I called up a cousin of mine and asked him if he wanted to play bass and uh, we found a couple other buddies uh, one guy that I had you know, graduated high school a couple years before me but he wasn't really doing anything he was more of a metalhead but He's a great guitar player, and you can shred like crazy. So I was like, you want to join a band? And then I had a drummer, uh, Sam Campos. And uh, we kind of just got the whole thing going, man. Before you know it, we came up with a, a band name called Border Avenue. And we, uh, you know, we were doing the damn thing. and It was just crazy. It was crazy the way it all kind of went on. And I know this is a pretty long-winded answer, but this is pretty much how everything developed. Um, I was doing that to kind of blow off some steam from work and then it found I found ourselves playing every weekend and now it wasn't just blowing off steam now it was be becoming more of a pretty pretty serious hobby and then we won an opportunity to open up for Keith Urban as he rolled through Las Cruces and that was when it really that that was a real defining moment for me because I was like, okay, I shouldn't be a cop. This this is what I need to be doing. It was the first time I'd ever tasted that kind of 
tour production and that kind of lighting and sound and that kind of setup. The green room, I was like, "What the hell's a green room? That's awesome!" <laughs> like it was, it was great, man. And it it just kind of took me from there. And I was like, "This is this is what I want to do," um, you know. And then lo and behold, the the other guys didn't want to pack up and move to Nashville with me. They they just thought, "Oh, we should stick around here." You know, we got the Keith Urban thing, and that's, we can pretty much hang our hat on that, and that's gonna be our little claim to fame and i was like it's not good enough for me man i gotta i gotta go to nashville or i gotta do something i gotta do this full time i gotta i gotta quit my job and they uh they thought i was they thought i was crazy for for thinking that <laughs> well i was gonna say it ended up working out pretty well for you for you in the end because i was gonna say i mean really as as you're explaining it you basically had two full-time mm-hmm. jobs i mean being a cop, you know, I mean, yeah, you can do that a couple of days a week because you can work long out yep. long shifts and so forth. But then on the weekends, you're doing ba- you got gigs, you know, three, four, four nights, and you're rehearsing and things like that. I mean, that's it a really lot of balance. is. But like, get this: when the guys pretty much said that they were not wanting to move to Nashville, I started kind of uh, playing around town by myself, doing these little uh, guitar pulls, like little writers things, little acoustic things. Um, and I did that in El Paso a couple of times and um, found my manager, Oscar Chavira. And he's a, he's just a bulldog of a of an entrepreneur. Like the guy is so ambitious and so driven. And out of nowhere, he decided he was going to leave the real estate business and get into music like that. <laughs> he's, that he's just that guy. He's like, well, I like drinking beer and I like listening to live music. I think I'm just going to do that. And and that's what he did, man. And he found me uh, by performing with some some of these writers' rounds. And he was just like, "Dude, I think you got something special. Like, let's do something together." And that's when it, when I when I teamed up with Oscar is when it really started to connect that this is a this is a big deal. Like, we can make this a big thing. We can. This guy has taken every business that he's ever owned and taken it to the pinnacle of where it's supposed to be. Um, and. I was like, if he has that much confidence in me, like I think he could, we could do the same thing. It's certainly what I wanted to do with my life, so why not? And so um, that's when it really got serious. And he got me on Texas Country Radio. We were kind of doing the rounds there, and I, I started hitting the road, going to play all these little clubs in Texas, and you know, visiting these radio stations and, and making the rounds. And holy smokes, man, uh, that's when the demand really started to kind of kick in. And, now I'm far east Texas, and I got to beat a briefing in Las Cruces, New Mexico at 6:30 on Sunday morning. This is not going to work. I was calling in too much, man. I was just like, I can't do this. I have to make a choice. And, and if you could believe it, I was actually going to choose law enforcement because at the time Mackenzie was only three months old, and Emily was like, you know, we were dependent on my steady paycheck, and then that we were dependent on you know, my insurance and the city benefits and all that stuff. And, uh, but she was the one, my wife was the one that was just like, no, nah, man, this is what you really want to do. Like, I, I know you don't, your life's passion isn't being a cop, like go give this a shot. And so with her blessing and Oscar's business savvy and my family's support, I was like, deuces, I'm going to go try this. And here we are. Well, and I love the fact that like, 
I, I think neither you nor Oscar really knew what to expect when you hit Nashville, right? Like, you because yeah, that's a whole different ball game, uh, and it's you know you. But you worked at it, and you knocked on doors, and you got in front of the right people, and then yeah, I mean, happened. when I describe Oscar as a bulldog, I mean that's pretty much it, man. Like the guy does not understand the word no, you know. He just he he, and will always look for a, another route, you know, another another avenue of, of how to approach whatever it is we were trying to get, whether we were just trying to get in the door at Sony or Warner or Broken Bow or whatever. He, he just always found a way to make it happen or get in touch with somebody who knew that can make it happen. It was, it was crazy, man. Um, yeah. And, and, and we just sort of found our way here. I, I remember very distinctly, actually um, we, we found a producer. I was playing a gig in Alabama, right? Uh, a guy named Patrick McCarty was down there and he um, really was impressed with my sound and the band. And he's like, man, he talked to Oscar. He's like, your boy's got something special here. I don't have a whole lot of connects in Nashville, but I do know a guy who was pretty prominent back in the day. His name's Steve Dorf. They said, you know, he wrote, I crossed my heart for George Strait. He's done a bunch of stuff for you know, Kenny Rogers. And uh, he even recorded Whitney Houston's and a bunch of stuff with Barbara Streisand. I mean, the guy was huge. Like, give him a call. Here's his number. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I think your guy's great. And, and Oscar was that kind of guy that he took that phone number. And the next day he called, they didn't had no idea who he was talking to. He was just like, Hey, Steve, this is Oscar Chavita. I manage this guy, Frank Ray. And, you know, I, I, I think he's great. And I, you know, I, I want to see what you can do for us. You know, he's like, well, I can produce some stuff and, you know, uh, send me over some material and I'll let you know what I think. And he got back to us a few days later and said, yeah, your guy can sing, man. Um, you know, my, my son, Andrew, um, recently passed. Andrew Dorf was a, a big songwriter here in Nashville. And uh, he had recently passed. It was probably about a year and a half after, after, you know, at the time of that phone call, uh, maybe two years. Um, but Steve was looking to keep his legacy alive and had Andrew's catalog of songs. And so he was flipping through some songs for me and sent a couple over. One of the songs that we came across is a song called Tequila Mockingbird and fell in love with that song i thought it was awesome and while we were recording it um i remember oscar as he was writing the check to pay steve was just like there's a lot of money but uh, he goes this is an investment i feel like if, if we can get anything out of this it it paid for itself at that point and wouldn't you know it that song was not only written by andrew dorf but also trevor rosen of old dominion right uh, and that comes into play later on. But um, we record that song. Some publicists that were working with Steve at the time came into the studio to get him to sign some books that he was working on uh, that he had written called I Wrote That One Too. And I was in the booth singing and they heard and they were like, who's this guy? What's his story? Like, this is great. Tell him he's a cop. Right? He's Hispanic. Like, he moved to Nashville. Like, the whole thing. Or he hadn't moved to Nashville, but he's here in Nashville, writing and doing the whole thing. And they're like, we love his story. Like we want to work with him. So we start talking to these ladies, uh, Kate and Lynn at the, of the Richland group. And they're incredible. They happen to be working with uh, Spotify was one of their clients. And they set up a meeting with John Marks, who was the guy over there at the time of head of uh, the country, uh, you know, music director and, and, and all that. And, and he, he listened to, 
me kind of speak and he listened to Tequila Mockingbird and, and he said he wanted to help out and he put that song on New Boots playlist on Spotify and then that that song came across the desk or came across uh, uh, the VP of A&R over at Broken Bow. Her name is Sarah Canavy. And the way she describes it was the song Tequila Mockingbird came across and she was like, I don't know this song. I don't know this artist. Usually we know every artist that's coming out on this playlist because we're in the industry. We know what's going on. We know who's being fed through the machine. What the hell is this guy's story? She looks me up. Cole calls Oscar. Oscar calls me. He said, have you ever heard of Broken Bow? And I said, holy shit. Yeah. And they said, well, they want to meet in Nashville. And and here we go, man. So again, that this all started from a guy in Alabama named Patrick, uh, who is a dear friend of ours to this day. But he knew Steve. Uh, you know, the Richland girls knew Steve, and we got in touch with them. They knew John Marks. We got in touch with John Marks. And then that song comes across New Boots, and we get a record deal out of it a year later, a year and a half later, something like that. It was, it's been a crazy journey, man. I, I know that's a long winded answer, but that's a nutshell. Like the se- the sequence of events that happened that got me well, here. I, I was going to say, I mean, truthfully, I mean, this is kind of what you expect at the bar. You're like, that's not a true story, but it is. And when you, when you look back at, at, at that journey, I mean, to where you are now, how you kind of got here, where you were, even before before all that, I mean, is it wild to take that step back and, and look at it? Uh, yeah, man, uh, it, it's crazy because because it does sound it sounds like a like a completely fabricated story. It sounds like it sounds like it. Yeah, where's the biopic that they're gonna make with this shit happening, dude? Because that is crazy. Uh, but to tell you the truth, we are doing the same damn thing we did. We're just Oscar and I rolling in a Chevy Malibu through all of Texas. We're, we're doing the same thing that we were doing then just on a grander scale. That's it, man. You know, but to Oscar's credit, I mean, as I saw him, I remember very specifically, very distinctly, he was writing that check out to Steve to pay for the production. And he's like, man, if we get anything out of this, just one thing, it would have paid for itself. And, you know, I'm not afraid to admit that, that that's, the reason why I got the record deal in the first place, or a guy at least got on the radar for Nashville. And not to say that it secured the record deal, but that's why I got the that's why I got on their on their radar. I would have never gotten a phone call from Broken Bow Records uh, had it not been for that song, and had it not been for Steve, and had it not been for Patrick, and had it not been for Alabama, and had it not been for Oscar, and had it not been for Quit My Job. It's just crazy, crazy. <laughs> Well, and, you know, since then, you know, you've put out an EP, get you some. What was it like kind of being able to produce something like that and, and work on a project well, that, like that? That was incredible, man, because at the same time I started working with Broken Bow, I was also uh, working with uh, Spirit Music Nashville and Fluid Music Revolution. Um, specifically, Fluid uh, was headed by Frank Rogers, and Frank Rogers is a don't know who he is he's a huge songwriter huge producer out naturally he's been in the game for a very long time very well respected in the industry uh, and he's a hit songwriter an incredible producer and, and a great friend man and, and he is the one that kind of took me under his wing when it came to songwriting uh, he listened to some of my material and he's like yeah it's okay i mean it's good you got some potential like you know and truthfully like just honest and i Again, I was a cop in 10 years. So you have to do a whole lot more than that to hurt my feelings, right? But I was like, okay, well, dude, like, teach me. Like, I want to know. And he's just like, why don't you come and meet with some of my guys and 
some of my female writers, some of my male writers, uh, just uh, some of our writers in general. Like, let's see what works, you know, let's see what works and see who you click with. And um, really just kind of took me under his wing. And it was it was a process figuring stuff out. But but um, finally found a group of of guys that I really had some great chemistry with and really wrote a lot of great songs with. And, and um, you know, I got the label deal. Uh, Frank also offered me a publishing deal and for songwriting. So it kind of came within a week of each other, if not a couple of days. And um, after that, Frank said, hey, pick five of your favorite guys and let's let's set up a writer's retreat and let's go out there and see what you guys can get. And um, we did that. And that's when we started to formulate what Frank Ray was going to sound like, right? Like it was great because these guys knew who I was. Like I was finding my own voice. Like at that point, it was just like, we know what sounds authentic to me and we know what doesn't. So all the songs that we started to write that just we knew weren't in the lane of what, what I was trying to say or what I was trying to sound like, we didn't even bother writing it. We just went and we dug deep and found some great songs and, and crafted uh, crafted an album. Um, and out of the album, uh, we chose six songs to serve as the EP that would provide the best snapshot of what you can expect from the album. So from Get You Some, which is just not only a phrase that I say, but it's also kind of very literal, literally speaking, just get you some of what what is coming, right? Uh, we have songs like Out On Me, which is a big kind of like funky tempo, almost like a funky dance number, right? Um, and they have Country Look Good On You, which is more of a R&B kind of pop soul hooks. Streetlights has got a Latin flair to it. Um, um, Y'all showed up is that party vibe that, you know, everyone's been looking for. Um, and late, of course, is that family-oriented love ballad that country music is known for. I mean, you get all these songs together, and that's what you can expect from, from the full album that's that's coming hopefully later on this year. But it, it was it was awesome, man. Crafting that body of work has been has been my proudest moment, uh, you know, in in the music industry, in my, in my career in music so far. Well, and and you you touched on it too because I feel like this is hard for for folks, especially when they're breaking in, is or you're you know you're kind of getting your feet established and everything like that. Is finding your voice, you know what I mean? Like finding what is true to you. What when you finally found that and found the right folks that understood that, like, <laughs> dude, it's like breaking that? the code, man. It's like you know in the Matrix when you see all the numbers and stuff like fall out. Like that's what it felt like. You're like that's it, dude. <laughs> like it's. It's almost staring you right in the face, like it's staring you right in the face until there's all this other noise that's in the way. When it comes that clearly, it's like, oh, crap, there it was, you know. Um, and that's sort of what it felt like, specifically to the Latin aspect of things, right? I had written a bunch of stuff that was down the avenue of almost hokey, where it's just like, it's almost like, uh, what do the white writers in the room think uh, Mexican music sounds like, right? And it's just. I mean, just calling just calling it like it is, and that's pretty much what it was. It was just like you think you think of toes, right? Zach Brown, right? you think of that, like I'm a toes in the water, ass in the sand, and like that, like adios and vaya con dios, right? It's basically just you know, you gotta be with you, see you, gotta be with you. But yeah. it's just like that, like senoritas no quiero when there's no dinero. I got no, you know, like all that stuff. 
is what they were trying to get me to do. And granted, not to not to their you know, not not no no fault of their own. That's just what um, a lot of the people that I got in the room with felt like. Hey, this is Mexican music. We got to say this, right? How do you say Dos Equis in Spanish? I'm so Dos Equis, right? <laughs> Bucket of beer in Spanish. It's, like <laughs> yeah. it's just weird. It was a weird dynamic. And, uh, you know, I kid you not, one time I think I said uh, enchilada in the song. And it was a, uh, it just wasn't authentic. It wasn't, it wasn't real. It was very, and uh, I was like, this isn't right. Uh, and finally I was writing with Frank and, 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 another guy named uh, Bobby Hamrick, Frank Rogers, I should say, uh, and, and Bobby Hamrick. And, and I, I spoke up and I said, I, I, this, uh, this, none of this feels right when it comes to the Latin vibe. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to write? I said, you got to think in the world of Despacito. You got to think of that kind of thing. Like Spanish music is almost like, yes, it can be, it's very, they follow the same themes as country music, but it's also, it's almost as, language of love right spanish music is just known for that right and so i said you got to think of that sexy vibes and we started strumming a little groove and and we found it man i said this is this is this is right and again i can tell you the matrix and just like that's it and so that's where streetlights was born and ever since then i felt like streetlights was the blueprint for everything latin based that we wanted to write from there on out and i knew it so anytime we started going down the Mexican restaurant kind of vibe, I was like, Mm-mm, that ain't right, son. No, <laughs> no more Taco Bell. No more Taco yeah, Bell. Streetlights. Here's a, here's the here's the uh, blueprint of what we need to do. Let's do that. Well, and and you, you had a, a huge hit, uh, you know, come out off of Get You Some and. What was it like to see you know country look good on you? Kind of just take off and 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 kind of have. Uh, a real life on the charts and radio yeah, it was playing, everything, things man. like it was, that. It was it was in- incredible. It was amazing, and it was frightening as all hell. I, w- I was like, because there was so much momentum and so much excitement behind it, um, and I wasn't a writer on that song. That song was pitched to me, and, and I fell in love with it, and I felt like it was right in my alley. Um, so I recorded it, um, and some of the songwriters on there just happened to re- be really good friends of mine. So it was kind of like man i hope i'm successful for these guys because you know this you know they wrote a great song and you know it's all these things but you know any artist will tell you you see the country charts every week in week out it's it's a stressful roller coaster and and uh, i made it a point just not to look at it anymore but even doing that people would tell you every week people that are watching the charts and hey congrats or if you didn't hear from anybody that week, it's because you were down that week or you didn't move or anything like that. If you did, like, hey, you went up two spots. And <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's so stressful, man. Um, and, but when it, when it started kind of breaking into that, you know, top 40 and then it stopped going, you know, you're, now you're on the country countdown and it starts going into the top 30. You're like, holy smokes, man, it's got, it's got some legs. It's ready. And then you're in the top 20. You're like, okay, there's no way it's going to go. Uh, and it, of course it peaked out at number 16, I think, which was huge as a debut record. Uh, but there's a number of things since a whirlwind of, of, uh, emotions because the kind of momentum that it had and the excitement that people had initially, you start thinking, of course you start thinking like, what if the scene goes number one, you know, what if it goes top 10? Like, what if it does this? And uh, so that's, that's the frightening part of it all is, is it, you, it's very easy to get excited. And so now. Uh, we got our second single out on country radio and, and, and 
we had a great first week of ads and it was like the number one most added for the week and it's pretty exciting and everyone's like everyone's excited again same thing and i see the same thing happening in happy country look good on you right the pom-poms come out we're like woo, 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 and i'm like i i'm keeping my feet as close to the, to the ground as possible and i'm just i'm just much more careful about uh getting excited when a song hits country radio but Country Look Good On You was a great introductory song for me. A lot of people know it. They sing it to me at shows, and uh, it was great to to get to experience that. And I'm just fortunate enough that uh, my label and my team have worked really, really hard to uh, get another song out there. So we're, we're going to take another crack at it and see what happens. Well, and, and clearly, you know, you got more uh, new music coming coming this way. You know, get you some just a taste. I I love that. Now, now that I know what that 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 title is, I'm like, that's genius. You're, that's just genius. I'm a PR guy. I'm, a, I'm like, that's just smart. That's just clever. That's just damn clever. So, so what can folks expect with some new music? And and what's the hope? Well, the hope that? is, uh, you know, first off, we're focusing on somebody else's whiskey, which is the new single that's out. It's available now. Uh, people can stream it. You just hit country radio uh, yesterday. Um, is it yesterday? Monday? It just hit country radio. <laughs> and uh, hey, I had that earlier today. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, the other day. Oh, that was yesterday. That's just yesterday. radio, man. Yep. Like nope. I said, Been had there. a great week. Uh, so that's our <laughs> primary focus right now is just really putting a lot of effort behind that. And, you know, filming content and, and maybe some uh, video or something like that, some visualizer. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, but hopefully not long after that. Maybe sometime in the summer we'll uh, be able to drop the full album. Are you getting yourself another little, a little, little snort? That's what I'm gonna do here. There we go. <laughs> cheers, amigo. Let's do a little cheers, man. Salud. Clink. Mm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah. Hopefully, I'm, I'm I'm hoping summertime we'll get to drop the full album and. Uh, I, I mean, I can't even, I get so excited and passionate about it, man. It's the best body of work I've, I've put together thus far. I think it's just the best representation of who I am as a person and and as an artist. And I, if there's not a song on there for you, then there's something wrong with you. (laughs) I tell you all the time, if you, if you can't find a song on there that you like, you're dead inside a little bit. That, that's those are bold words. Those are bold because, words, though. <laughs> because country music has evolved in such a way. Um, there's everyone has a lane, right? Everyone, everybody in country music has a lane, and I feel like I'm the only one that that just said to hell with it, right? With all those boxes, I I I don't just because I'm the Mexican guy doesn't mean I have to ha- I have to have all the Latin stuff, right? Right. And I grew up in the 90s, man. I love 90s country. Tracy Lawrence is probably one of my biggest influences, man. So I love a good, sad heartbreak song, right? I love the chicken picking. I love the pedal steel uh, just as much as I love the trumpets. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of everything, man. And so when people try to ask me, what is your sound? What is your music? What, what does Frank Ray sound like? I'm like, shit, well, listen to this album. And that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm most excited for. Because if you go see a show, we'll do everything. From Country Look Good on You to Streetlights, and we'll mash it up with Despacito, and then we'll do Tequila Mockingbird, mash it up with a little Red Bone, come and get your love. You know what I mean? Like, we do a little bit of everything. So, there's people who are just always blown away, and that's something I'm really, I pride myself in that we put on a great show. We have an eclectic style of music, and there's something for everybody in the crowd. 
whether you love the traditional sounding stuff. We got a song called Back Before My Time that's just really rocking country, chicken picking, no bullshit, man. It's great, you know? But if you want some more of the Latin vibe, then we got Streetlights and we got another song called Wasting Your Words. And you, you can get that. You can get something. So there's something in the realm of country in all of its evolution for everybody in that record. And that's what I'm most excited about. I, I love that. And I can second that, that the show is great and uh, it, it's a, it's a fun time. And, uh, and I guess, you know, what else can folks expect from me? Well, here in uh, the rest of 2023? You know, we're, we're finishing up our, our tour with old dominion uh, in the beginning of July. So we've been on tour with them since January. Uh, and that's been really, really cool, man. We're, we've been fortunate enough to be direct support for them. So if people are curious, you know, to, to catch a show, I mean, first off, it's incredible. Graylin James kicks it off. Cassie Ashton is incredible. She she goes up next. And then I go up and, and I feel like we our show has changed a lot since you saw us in, with LV. It's 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 awesome, man. Like uh, the production's huge. Uh, uh, it, it just seems like there's a little more fluidity, fluidity to it. Um, and then Old Dominion just puts on a master class of how to how to put on a show. It's really really awesome. So if people are interested in that, I I, I strongly suggest that uh, they come check out a show. Um, obviously, festival season is among us. So in between all that, um, we'll be doing a bunch of festivals. You know, we got Country Thunder, we got Country Jam, we got uh, Rogue Music Fest. Uh, MRL's putting on a, a thing over at. Uh, um, Shit, I can't remember what it is, but I mean, all our stuff is uh, up on my website at Frank Ray Music. They can check out upcoming shows. Um, you know, of course, we got the the new single out on country radio. We got uh, the, the album hopefully dropping on later this, this summer. Um, I started an organization for first responders called Frey uh, that we've been working pretty tirelessly on to, to make sure that first responders have the resources to, to have the best, uh, you know, mental wellness uh um, resources available to them. Uh, I mean, there's there's just so many things that we have going on that uh, it's hard to keep up, man. You know, so just touring, new music, and and, and a two year old, and a two month old, and a two month old. Right? Again, I'm excited. <laughs> the next Old Dominion thing, uh, the next Old Dominion stop is uh, in Key West, and so I, I bought my family flights for that, and so they're coming out. It's three nights that we're doing over there: um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, I'm just looking forward to it, man. It's going to be really cool. Well, and I'm guessing the, the to complete the whole story, you know, with with uh, Tequila Mockingbird and, and Old Dominion, I'm guessing that's how it all came, exactly came it, full man. circle to you being on tour with them. I told Trevor that story. I told him how I got my record deal and or how, how at least I got on the radar here in Nashville. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me, man. I was just like, no, straight up. This is it. He's like, I had no idea. And I said, dude, <laughs> real talk. I said, to you, you just wrote a song. Like, to me, you wrote the song, you know? And I, to this day, never grow tired of playing Tequila Mockingbird. There's some other songs that I've written that I'm just like, they kind of fall out of fashion with me. That song has never been one of them. I love playing it. It never gets old for me. It's it's great, dude. And it's a, gra it's a crowd favorite. So, yeah, that song did worlds for me, man. Uh, and then it was so funny. He texted me... Uh, he texted me the, the following day after I told him that story. He's like, holy crap, dude, I just found this. And it was a work tape of when they were first coming up with it. So it's just so interesting to see. Like, And I know it as a writer myself. And you're just kind of 
babbling melodies and stringing words that don't make sense together and just trying to find the song and then eventually they found it and uh it was it was great man it was to to my benefit well it, it's a it's an amazing journey uh frank you've got some great music and folks like I, like i said I, I highly recommend if you haven't check them out go to a show it's worth it and, and frank this no, is man, absolutely man i appreciate you taking the time and me. just let me rant it was a nice walk down memory lane uh just putting all this thing together and and over some good over some good liquor man find more from hops and spirits at hopspirits.com thanks everybody bye